Now, you may wonder why I chose the title of my sermon to be Unforgettable, and I'll tell you why, all right? Uh, so, Pastor Chiu and I have been away on holiday. Praise God for that. You know, God is so amazing. We could not have gone on holiday at a more critical time. If it had been one week later, we would have been in the middle of the chaos at Heathrow Airport. One million bags cannot be found, right? That kind of thing. But God is gracious. So, what happened was that we were in this hotel, and in this hotel, they were serving for breakfast, Fruits, okay, fruits. It was a mixture of melon, apples, grapes, and all kinds of fruits. When Pastor Chiu ate the melon, oh, it was delicious. It was unforgettable. It was so yummy and so delicious that he turned to the head waiter, waitress, she was an amazing lady, and said, do you think I could have every morning, I don't want any other fruit, only the melon? And the waitress was truly an amazing lady. She said to him, of course, our purpose here as waiters and waitresses in this hotel is to give you an experience in our hotel you will never forget. So there and then, every, then she turned to me, would you also like uh, melon every morning? I was kind of a little bit ashamed, uh, a bit embarrassed. Uh, my husband going, so uh, I say, you know, ask for uh, an impossible thing, right? I said, of course, of course, if it's okay. And lo and behold, Four days we were there, every morning, delicious, huge bowl of melon, yummy, yummy melon. And we ate it every morning. And my husband began to say, I will never forget this hotel. I'm going to come back to this hotel. And that is why uh, it really spoke to me. And I began to realize that, you know, what people remember are experiences. It makes, it becomes, you know, when you meet someone, when you have had a relationship with someone, and that person puts a, indentation into your memory and you, are, you cannot forget that person or that experience again. And then, of course, Pastor Chiu said to me, have you prepared your message yet? I said, of course not, I'm on holiday. <laughs> and I knew I was speaking on a whole section of Deuteronomy. They always give me the hardest one, you know? Deuteronomy chapter 21 to 25, which is like a, a mixture, a, a conglomeration, a, a pulling together of all kinds of miscellaneous almost, all kinds of things and laws and, and codes of conduct uh, that the children of Israel were given. And as I thought about it, and I began to prepare myself, the Lord began to say to me, do you know something? The children of Israel were given all these laws. In fact, in the book of Deuteronomy, if you look at it hard enough, Moses repeatedly told the children of Israel, when you go into the land, the promised land, the land which God has sworn to your forefathers to give you, do not forget the God that has called you. Do not forget who you are. And so I began to realize, yes, Deuteronomy is really about God speaking to His people, or Moses reminding the children of Israel, the God that they worship, they must never forget who He is. He's not going to be like the gods of the lands. He is different. And they, as the children of Israel, must never forget who they are. And so I decided, okay, the title of my sermon is therefore called Unforgettable. Pastor, suddenly forgot your name, Jeffrey. He will compose a song to sing because he's got a good voice. So turn with me to the book of Deuteronomy, and I'm going to say verse 20, chapter 21 to 25. Don't worry, I'm not going to read the whole chapter, but it is my joy to try and find little bits for you. 
And it would be wonderful if you did this in cell. You look through the whole of that five chapters and begin to ask yourself, wow, do I know the God of the Bible? And do I know who I am? All right? So turn with me to that and just keep your Bibles as well, physical or online. I'm going to encourage you to do that while I take you through some parts of it. Now, first of all, I'll just do a little recap. What is it that the children of Israel were told to remember and also to remind themselves, your children has never encountered God this way, but you have. What is this God that they had encountered? He was a strong, great God. He's strong and He's powerful. He's so powerful and so great that the children of Israel were told to... And that is why, if you remember the recap of Deuteronomy, how Pastor Fergus said, the first few chapters is actually about the past. It's not about the past. It's about remembering. Remembering a God encounter. Just like Pastor Chu will never forget the melons that he ate. A God encounter. What is this God encounter? Constantly, the children of Israel are reminded of this great deliverance that God had done for them in the Red Sea crossing, the Red Sea parted, and all the armies of the most mighty army, the world power of that time, was drowned. And I love this part. Huh? See what the Lord did to the armies of Egypt, to the horses and chariots, how He drowned them. As they were chasing you, He destroyed them, and have not been recovered even to this very day. What else were they going to remind themselves? What else must they remember? Must they never forget how God looked after them? cared for them in the wilderness for 40 years. For 40 years, it is said in Deuteronomy, their shoes never wore out. Do you know something about a pandemic? A lot of us, our shoes wore out, right? How many of you don't put up your hands? Quite embarrassing one. One day, I was walking to church and I saw the sole of this shoe on the floor. I quickly looked at mine, in case it's mine, and lo and behold, as I looked upwards, well, not mine, and I saw poor Pastor Gilbert's wife. Tell her, don't listen. To, tell Pastor Gilbert, don't listen to this message. She was going like that. And she was so embarrassed, she picked up the sole and, and walked. You know, even for two years, when our shoes we do not wear, it will wear out, right? But for the children of Israel, their shoes never wore out. They had water from the rocks. They had food from heaven. And God cared for them and looked after them. They were never to forget that the experience of God must never be forgotten. They must never forget who their God is. Everybody says, never forget who our God is. Come on, one, two, three. I know it's 8.30 in the morning, but I know you are wonderful. You woke up so that you'd be stirred up. Amen. The best service will be the 8.30 service from now on. I prophesy. Amen? Because they are ready. They are ready. They are ready for God. Why else would they wake up at, eight, at 7 a.m. to come to a church by 8.30? Because they are ready. So come on, shout it loud. Everyone online as well. If you're online listening, you are also the unforgettable people of God. Say, we must never forget who our God is. One, two, three. Oh, you can do better than that. Come on, one, two, three. We must never forget who our God is. And that is the call of God to the children of Israel. But on top of it, God began to give them not just an unforgettable experience with Him, God had to give them an unforgettable set of code of living, how to live, how to behave. You know why? Because not only must they never forget who their God is, they must never forget 
who they have become. They have become the children of God. And that is why God had to give them this phrase. In Deut- now look at it. In Deuteronomy 21, it, uh, that section of about uh, bloodshed, it ends in, uh, in verse 8, it says, Do what is, uh, you follow these instructions. These instructions, all the instructions that I'm going to give you today, and you see Moses keeps saying that from chapter 1 of Deuteronomy right to the end, is so that you can do what is right in God's sight. Now, why is it important for them to do what is right in God's sight? Because the land that they're entering in, the people of the land has never encountered God. They don't know this one and only God. Incidentally, that is why the children of Israel had to every day wake up in the morning and say, Hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one. Because He's the one and only. There's no other God in the world like their God. That's why we too, when we come into church, we should probably stand up every day and say, Hear, O SIBKL, hear, O Christians, the Lord our God is the one and only God. This must be clear in them. It must be spoken in them. It must be recited in them. And that is why every morning when we, they woke up, they would say that. And as they say that, they say, because not only is, do I hear, O Israel, that the Lord thy God is one, but I am now in a relationship with God. I belong to Him. I don't belong to anybody else. I don't belong to the world. I belong to Him. And because I belong to Him, I want to follow His laws. And not only do I want to follow His laws, because I don't know how to have that, do what is right. Why do they want to do what is right in God's sight? Because they belong to God. Belong to God. And not only do they want to do what is right in God's sight because they belong to God, they want to carry God's DNA because now they would be a people that would be different. They would reach their full potential. They would rise up to another level that is so different from the rest of the people in the land. Now, turn with me very quickly to your Bibles. I'm going to show you a very... I forgot about it yesterday, but this, mor- this morning at 4 a.m., I suddenly remembered it. Uh, don't worry why 4 a.m. Deuteronomy 4. Turn with me very quickly. Deuteronomy 4. Do look at your Bibles because the Bible reveals such amazing truths about God. Now, look at verse 8. Verse 6. Verse 6. Observe these laws carefully. Do what is right, right? For this will show your wisdom and understanding to the nations around you, the nations who are out there, who will hear about all these decrees and say, Waliao! Sorry, uh, my friends from America, we have to be very Malaysian. Waliao! This great nation, uh, these people of Israel, uh, is a wise and understanding people. What kind of nation is this? So great is to have their gods near them. The way the Lord, their God is near, is with them. Whenever they pray, uh, their God is their one, you know. And verse 8, And what other nation is so great as to have such righteous decrees and laws as these bodies of laws I'm setting before you today? Truly, they were amazed. And they would say that. Now, why is that so? Because look at this. In this section, is the nations around them. The reason that God is going to take them from this wandering in the wilderness to the nations of the world. And the nations of the world at that time, God had not revealed Himself to them. God was going to use the children of Israel to reveal Himself to them. 
that never encountered God. And if they have never encountered God, of course, they don't belong to God. They belong to the world system. Remember the word world system. The problem is that the majority of the world today belongs to the world system. What is the world system? Whether you like it or you don't like it, there's only two systems. The kingdom of God, which is light, or the kingdom of darkness, which is darkness. So it belongs to the system and the domain of darkness. And unfortunately, because they don't know God, they have never encountered God, the one and only, the hero Israel, the Lord thy God is one, they have no choice. They begin to think of the laws of the gods of this land, which is really devised by them. So they did what was right in their own eyes. And as a result of it, they carried the land's DNA. Their practices were grotesque. The, the things they did were, were really not something ordinary. Normally, you wouldn't think of it. Who would ever think of sacrificing your child to an idol? Do you know that it's quite a grotesque sight? I was at the British Museum. Well, my district, I'm very uh, educated. Went to British Museum, British Library. And I saw these uh, statues of these gods, you know, holding babies in their hands. And they would willingly do that. Now, what was happening? The devil came to steal, kill, and destroy the potential of human lives. And so, the problem, Israel was told, is not the people of the land. The problem would be theirs. Would they know who their God is? Would they know who they are? Would they begin to see that if they do what is right in God's sight, God would be in their midst. Now, turn with me now. Deuteronomy 20, I think it's 23, verse 14. Come. Forgive me if I don't put all the verses because I really want you to look at the Bible. Look at this. The purpose of doing what is right in God's eyes is that they would be a nation that would be full of wisdom and understanding and everyone around them would say, what kind of nation, what kind of people group is that? And on top of it, look at verse 14. All these laws and codes of conduct, including how you relieve yourself. What is the purpose of it? Verse 14. For the Lord your God, the one and only God, the Creator, the glorious God, will move about in your camp to protect you, to deliver you from the evil one, and your camp must be different, must be holy, so that he will not see among you anything indecent and turn away from you. So that is the reason why the children of Israel were constantly, constantly, constantly reminded of these laws. It would be the laws and their relationship to God that would identify them. They must remember who they are. Not just who their God was, they must never forget that they belong to God, not to the darkness and to the world around them. Now, when you think about that, what then marks the children of Israel? As I read Deuteronomy chapter 21 to chapter 25, I realized that three things marked the children of Israel. Their identity as belonging to God. And secondly, the dignity that they carried in the way they lived. The way God began to instruct them how to live in such a way that they carried a dignity of human nature. That the nations of the world began to look at them. And then above it, they carried a great responsibility for the land, for the people. And that is why you get this huge hodgepodge, or rather not hodgepodge, this huge 
a combination of different instructions. Actually, the most important instruction was the way they related to God. They must never forget who their God is. And that's why in chapter 23, they are shown how to relate to God in such a way that's different from the way the people of the land would relate to their God. They could not treat God the same way. Why? They must never forget that this God is greater, more powerful, stronger than any other God that's ever, because all the other gods are not gods. Secondly, they would begin to take, they would begin to behave and act and, be, and live in a certain way that carried great responsibility. Would, in family relationships, men and women, neighbors, slaves, foreigners, even orphans, widows, poor, all these things had a significance. The significance was that he, they, as they lived, they were going to be able to show the people of the land that their God was not the same. And secondly, they were not the same. I just want to highlight just the responsibility they carried towards the land. Very quick one. Turn with me again. Chapter 22. Just look very quickly, chapter 22. I just give you two things that shows how they even lived. If you come across a bird's nest, verse 6, beside the road, 22 verse 6, either in a tree or on the ground. Now, what has a bird's nest got to do with the way they lived? And the mother is sitting on the young or on the eggs. Do not take the mother with the young. You may take the young, but be sure to let the mother go, so that it may go well with you and you may have a long life. Now, what on earth has that got to do with being God's people? God was teaching them the sanctity of life, even of birds. And the, and the way that reproduction takes place is to make sure that the mother would not be taken and eaten up because the mother is juicier than the baby, right? This is how God wanted them to preserve even the ecology of the land, even the way the land would be treated. Another one would be 21, verse 1. So, because my prayer people are here. 21 verse 1. If a man is found slain, lying in the field, in the land that you're going to go into to possess, and you don't know who killed him, what must you do? Verse 8. Make an atonement for them so that the Lord will cleanse the land and the blood will atone for the land. In other words, God was beginning to tell the people of Israel, you are so different that you know what? The moment you repent, the moment you take responsibility for the land. And that is why intercession is all about. Intercession is not just praying and trying to have new governments and all that. Intercession is about responsibility for the land. Standing in the gap on behalf of the land. Half the time, what do we do? We cry to God, have mercy upon us, O Lord God. For the land has experienced bloodshed. And when there's bloodshed, the glory of God cannot come upon the land. The land cannot achieve its full potential. And so the people of the children of Israel is take responsibility, begin to cleanse the land. Now, they cannot undo that act, but they could stand in the gap and make atonement for the land. And the land would be cleansed. Isn't that awesome? What kind of people are we? That the moment we stand in the gap and ask God for forgiveness for all the bloodshed in our land, God listens to our prayers and absolves the land of that guilt. Come on. This is our God. Come on, you should give God a big clap. That is the glory. Come on. That is the glory of God. And the glory of God's people. God absorbs the land of its guilt. Isn't that amazing? And that is why they became a compelling community. But I want to remind you of this. Don't look at all of this as a list of do's and don'ts and laws only. If you start here, 
you and I will get it wrong. The children of Israel were also never started with chapter 21 to chapter 25. They were started by saying who God is and who they were. Hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one. And you, you, the Lord says, you. So what is it is important? They must start with their identity. They must know who they are. They must begin to realize there are no ordinary people. And so here it is. I just give you a verse in chapter 26 because it's throughout the book of Deuteronomy. In fact, one very good study you can make is going to the book of Deuteronomy, underline every time they says, remember who I am, what I did. Remember who you are, how special you are. And in chapter 26, just before the pronouncements of the blessings on the children of Israel, Moses writes this, The Lord has declared today that you are His people, and not just His people, His personal special treasure. Do you know what's a personal special treasure? I like the way Pastor Chiu explains it. You know, a king can have many, many, many treasures. But a lot of these treasures are like out there. But in his pocket or in his own personal possession are some personal treasures. Treasures that are very personal to him. For instance, the queen, you know, I, I saw this amazing, beautiful tiara that uh, Queen Victoria had. And what was very special about this tiara is that her beloved husband, Prince Albert, was the one who had designed it and crafted and, and really made it all. Crafted it and, and designed it and, and got the jewel to make it for her. So it became a treasured possession. In the same way, God may have created all races, God may have created all kinds of things, mountains, hills, stars, moons, skies. But when, he create, when, when the children of Israel related to him, they became his personal, special treasure. They were the apple of his eye. They must never forget who they are. Everybody say, special treasure. Come on, say it louder. Special treasure. And do you know, as they, and they are not just a special treasure because God had called them to belong to Him. As they obey His laws, they will live out what it means to be God's special treasure. God would set them high above all other nations. They would be different from other nations. Other nations would want to imitate them. They would not need to imitate other nations. In the same way, Second Peter, uh, 1 Peter, the Apostle Peter reminds us that when we become a believer, when we become a believer, we are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. Come, let's say this together. God's very own possession. Come on, say this together. One, two, three. God's very own possession. Do you know something, brothers and sisters? It is because we do not know who we are that we have a conflict constantly with the Word of God with the laws of God, with the commandments of God. Number one, we forget who our God is. We forget our God is not just any other God. He's not any other God. You know, sometimes when I talk to young people, I say to them, you know, you shouldn't do this, you shouldn't do that. Hey, but everybody does it. And I say to them, but you're not everybody. Your God is not any other God. Your God is the creator of the heavens. Your God is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning of all creation. And He is going to be there at the end. He is beyond human description. He's glorious. You must not forget who He is. 
But you must also not forget who you are. And that is why I love the press on the Malaysian United Firewall. All of you should join on the, uh, the, the press, not because we need you to pray for a nation, but every morning we declare who we are. And I declare, Lord, I thank you that you have chosen me from the foundation of the world to be holy, to be blameless. Oh, Lord God, you have laid claim upon me. You have caused the blood of Jesus Christ to possess me. I do not belong to... I, you, have, you own me. I am yours. Out And that's the blood of Jesus has paid the price for me. I am your possession. That's proof of it. And we can, as we do that, God's people began to be able to show to others why they want to live out these laws. They're not living out these laws, living out these God commandments just to be obnoxious, just to be cruel, just to be holier than thou. No, they're doing it because they know who they are. They want to show people who God is. And as they do that, they have an identity. They're God's people. You know something? I was talking to, I, I did a whole series to my ladies on womanhood. It was a very intense series. Eight sessions, two hours each, uh, really drained me of energy. That's why I've not been preaching for a long time. And one of the hardest things was to help people understand the importance of dressing, that dressing is messaging, right? And so someone said, yeah, of course. And so, uh, and I brought in Kate Middleton as an example. Look at the way she dresses. So elegant, so dignified. Then of course, of course, lah, they said, she is a princess ma. And the Lord said to me, so are your people. You are a royal priesthood belonging to God. Do you know something? Kate Middleton does not, did not dress like that until she found that she had a new identity. Her identity would now be linked to her royalty, which is why she dresses the way she is. So the behavior matches the identity. And that is what we must understand. And do you know something? When we do what is right in God's eyes, this is what we are carrying into the world. We are allowing God to restore the glory of God to human beings. Now, allow me to explain this for a little while. One of the biggest problems for us human beings is that we don't really know what, who we really are. We don't realize how special we are. And this word glory that we use can only be applied to God. We can sing, God is glorious. Amen? God is glorious. But in Psalm 8, there's a glorious verse that says, and God made man to be a little lower than the angels. It's translated angels, but the word is actually then himself. Just a bit lower. He's, yeah, human beings are higher even than the angels. And they've been given dominion over all the work of his hands, which is why they have to be responsible for God's creation. And this is when the children of Israel realized that when they did what was right in God's sight, not only was God restoring back to them the identity as a human being, but God was also restoring to them the dignity of a human being. You know, the Lord put this in my heart yesterday as I prepared myself for this weekend. And the Lord says, they must worship me, not chin chin chai chai, which is why I want to say to those who do not want to come back to physical church, it's actually very hard to worship God with great honor and glory when you're at home. I've done it for two years and I found it hard because we don't put on proper clothes. We don't even sit properly. We don't even read the Bible properly. I beseech you to consider 
coming back to church simply because our God is glorious. If we forget who our God is, we will not know our own glory. So what is the glory of mankind? Look at this verse. I love it. In the beginning, long before the evil one destroyed the image of man, long before human beings tried to grapple with their own identity and wonder, are they a product of evolution or are they a creation of God? Long before that ever happened, God had created human beings. How did he create them? Everybody said, let's do this. So let's do verse 27 together. One, two, three. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. Let's do it one more time. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God was in the beginning when God created humankind, whether they were Jews or not Jews, whether they were God's people or not God's people, every human being was created in the image of God. The image of God, they were created to carry His glory. Do you know when you look at another human being, you are looking at the image of God. You are looking at the most glorious creation of God. That is what God was restoring to the children of Israel. And Moses wrote Genesis, Exodus, Numbers, Leviticus, Deuteronomy. And he wanted them to know they are not just a product of whatever thing that happened out there. You know, if Moses was alive today, he says, you're not just a product of some evolution and ape who became a human being. You're not just a product of some amoeba just, just evolved into you. No, you are created as the glorious image of God. God breathed his life into you. The Ruach of God went into every human being and not just into any kind of human being. Men carry his image. Women carry his image. Together, they carry his, his huge, glorious image. And that is why the children of Israel had to recognize that dignity of mankind was a very important part of who God is and who they had become. If they belong to God, they need to recognize human beings carry dignity. And I want to share with you how they, uh, how they were going to show dignity to one another. How, they would, how would they understand human dignity? Now, at that time, if you go to war and you captured a prisoner, you would mutilate the prisoner, you would treat him without, I mean, you, you would destroy him, you would absolutely have no, no, no pity upon him. But, and if they found a girl that they liked, and they really liked the girl, they would just use her, they would just make use of her, uh, have sex with her, rape her, whatever it is, and when they don't like her, just chuck her out. You know why? Because at that time, the people of the world had never met God. And the people of the world had, no, had, had placed no value on women. You must listen to this. At that time, even throughout the Bible, actually, there was no value on women. Women were not, didn't have such a thing as rights. They were treated as an object, like a chair. So if you don't like the chair, you get rid of it. If you like the chair, you use it. And they would be used rather than given dignity or identity. Yet, here it is. And if you are a slave and a prisoner of war, it's a triple whammy. Prisoner of war, woman, slave. What did God tell the children of Israel to do? Look at this. Look at this. Suppose you see among the captives a beautiful woman and you're attracted to her. Now, when we read it in 21st century, we read it differently. Read it in the mind 
of the people at that time. You see this beautiful woman, she's a, a prisoner of war, and you want to marry her. If this happens, you may take her to your home, but first, get her to shave her hair and her nails, change her clothes she's wearing when she was captured. Why? Because this woman, even though she, you may like her, she's beautiful, her hair would be unkempt, it'd be long and mangled, her nails would be long, her clothes would be shoddy, tattered, torn, because she's a prisoner. And she would be unworthy. She would carry no dignity at all. The children of Israel could not just take her and marry her, they had to restore her back, her dignity. And not only that, she was allowed to go back to visit her mother and mourn for mother and father. Why? To give them dignity. And then only they could marry her. And if they married her and didn't like her, they couldn't make her a slave again. They had to set her free. Why? Because God was showing the children of Israel, when you do what is right in my eyes, the people of the world will recognize they're not just any other creature. They're not a product of evolution. They're not a product of human imagination. They are created in the image of God, carrying great dignity. Look at another section of scripture. There's so much in it. You know, you really must study the whole of this section and ask yourself, how do I begin to see dignity? Look at the way they treated the, the poor people. You know, they were told, if, if you wanted to, buy, you know, you want, the poor person comes to you and asks for a loan, and all that poor person had was just his outer jacket. His outer jacket, it may be ugly, it may not be the ugliest jacket, it may be even a, 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 a torn jacket, but he's the only thing he's got. The only thing valuable to him is God. And, and, you, and you're going to loan him money. You don't say to him, you better give me that jacket. Otherwise, how do I know you're going to pay me back? Don't do that to him. Because that man is a human being like you. He will need the jacket to keep him warm. Restore to him his dignity. Wow. They were a compelling people group. And not only that. Even when you go and imprison inflict punishment. The man is guilty. He's a criminal. He ought to be punished when you inflict the strokes upon him. Don't go beyond 39 stripes because if you go beyond that, the man is going to be degraded before you. That be even he'll be so scarred. He'll be so scarred that he, you won't even know he's a human being. Do you know when I read this and when I think about this, Jesus was so beaten that said in Isaiah chapter 53, you could not even recognize he was human. That is the price Jesus paid to recover back human dignity. That is why, brothers and sisters, we are not talking about the gods of this land. We are talking about this one and only God. Do not forget who your God is. Do not forget who I am who we are. We need to learn this. We need to recognize that there's dignity in human lives. And you know, I was so proud of one of our members. You saw him last week in the videos on Father's Day, Eddie. A friend of him came and told him that there was a certain man who was an outcast. He was a homeless man. And he had, his, parents, his children had abandoned him and he had died just on the streets in some homeless situation. And when Eddie heard about it, he said to himself, this is still a man, a human being. I'm going to give him 
a funeral. And he came, wow, when I talk about it, I just marvel at what Eddie did. And I'm so thankful that when he did that, you know, when someone does that, don't just listen. Let it speak to us. Let it speak to us how we treat one another. It's not anything we'll do. Talk anyhow we'll do. Post anything on social media we'll do. There must be respect. There must be honour. There must be dignity in what we do. Otherwise, what kind of people are we? If we act just the same as the people of the world, how different can we be? Here was Eddie. He went. He worshipped. He sang songs. He gave the guy a burial. And it's the same in Deuteronomy chapter 21. Look at this. Look at this. Here is a man. Deuteronomy 21 verse 22. If a man is guilty of capital offence, is put to death and his body is hung on a tree, you must not leave his body on the tree overnight. Bury him. Do not leave it to the scavengers. Don't let the, the vultures come and peck at his body. You must bury him. Otherwise, the land will be defiled by the loss of dignity of humankind. But I want to say this to you. The greatest dignity God is restoring is actually for women and men. Our manhood and our womanhood. And I want to bring this verse up. You may say, what is the context of this verse? A very difficult verse that we in church like to avoid, but I decided I won't avoid it. Because this church speaks to me about manhood and womanhood. Identity of man, identity of woman, dignity of man, dignity of woman. If you wonder... Why, look at Deuteronomy chapter 22. If you wonder why the whole, look, have a quick glance at it in your Bible. The whole of Deuteronomy 22 verse 13 to 31 is all about a man and a woman's relationship. Why did God put so much emphasis on the way they treat women, whether they, they, how they treat it, whether it's a wife, whether it's another woman's wife, or even if they found her uh, somewhere and, and they just decided to use her? Why did God do that? I'll tell you why. We often forget that in the ancient world, as I mentioned just now, the women had no rights. The women had no identity. They were just objects, a chair, a table, anything. The whole of the ancient world treated women any way they liked. If they didn't like her, they sent her out. They would accuse her of, of that's why. They would accuse her, she is impure. She's not a virgin. They would accuse her and she had no recourse to justice at all. Which is why the whole of that section is about giving women the dignity, the dignity of womanhood, so that she will have justice. And this happened in Deuteronomy, not only in today's world. Women's rights started long ago when God reinstated the dignity of women. And that is why when it came to dressing, God began to say to them, do not allow a man, a woman, to put on men's clothing and a man to wear men's clothing. Because anyone who does that is detestable. Why? It is not about fashion. Now, don't debate these kind of things. Oh, so why women without dresses or that? Don't use that. It's not about fashion. It's about two things, idolatry and identity. Idolatry is like that. Because the children of Israel were living, remember, in the land of the Canaanites. The Canaanites gods... Astarte began to, the goddesses would put on the clothing of men. They would wear men's armor, men's clothing. And then the men, the, the gods, would put on women's clothing. If the children of Israel began to also follow the practices 
of the children of the land, remember the people of the land have never seen God. They only do what is right in their own eyes. They have to imagine what is right. They don't know. They are worshipping the gods that they have put up. And as they did that, they would lose their identity of manhood and the identity of womanhood and the lines would be blurred. The lines would be blurred. And not only that, they would begin to imitate them and worship the practices. Now, they don't worship the God first, which is why if you go to the whole of the Old Testament, the children of Israel continued to worship God. But their practices were heathen. Do you know something? The moment we follow the practices of the land, we have forgotten who our God is and we have forgotten who we are. Come on, church. Uh, remember 8.30 a.m. service is the best service, amen? The most awake service. I will never forget who my God is. I almost feel like asking you to stand up and say, declare. Come on. If you want to stand up, stand up. I will never forget who my God is. Say it again. I will never forget who my God is. And I will never forget who I am. I will never forget who I am. I am made in the image of God. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. And Jesus restored my identity. And Jesus has restored my dignity. Praise the Lord. You may sit down. I'll tell you why it's a sad world we live in. The problem in the land is not the land. The problem is the children of God. The big problem today is transgender. Transgender has become a big problem. Because somewhere along, you know that we are living now where the devil has such caught hold of the minds of human beings and played tricks in them in such a way that they would be so lost that they would not know their identity. I'm just giving you this understanding and I'll tell you why in a while. So what is gender identity? It's good that you and I know. You know why? Because this is the most current threat to our young people today. Parents have spoken to me as young as 11 years old. These are very good parents, very good families. Their children go to school and this is in Malaysia, not in US. In Malaysia, the children are actually saying to each other, posting on each other's WhatsApp, actually, am I a trans? Actually, what gender am I? And, and also, our young people are constantly mixing with people who, who, want, who, who think that this philosophy is cool. The greatest danger is not just transgender. Now, transgender is about gender identity. You don't know where... You don't, internally, you, you feel male or female. You just you want to feel. It's a feeling thing. Secondly, expression. Identified in appearance, dressing, and behaviors. But the most dangerous thing is gender fluidity. Gender fluidity is when the person really doesn't know who they are. And so one day when they wake up, they feel more male. They will dress more male, behave more male. Another day when they wake up, they think that, no, I, I'm more female. They would dress more female and behave more female. This whole spirit is now prevalent in the land. Remember, in the land. In the land. In the land. So much so that I heard, I was with my niece and all that in the UK. They were saying how children as young as four years old are told to cross-dress so as to experience what it's like for a girl to be a boy and a boy to be a girl. Why is that wrong? Not to say wrong or right. Why is that so sad? Because here you are, you're you 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 blurring, blurring the boundary 
of manhood and womenhood. Yeah, not, and a child at four, what would they know? What would they know? And this is a sad world we live in. My question to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, why I bring this up is not to complain about the world. How can we then become that compelling community that begins to live? And as I said to you, when we be ourselves, we ourselves know who we are. We ourselves have no doubt what our identity is. Do you know something? If a young person doesn't know even whether he's a boy or his girl, how on earth is he going to know what is the purpose of life? No wonder there's so much depression, suicide, constant addictions. Why? Because there's confusion. Now, we must not be confused who we are. Amen? Are you confused who you are? You just declared who you are. You're fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of God. How can we live this out? in a world that is so lost. I want to show you a video of a person that is in our church. He's actually a member of staff now. His journey of transgender. Can we have the video? I'm an ex-transgender, which is my... I've been dressing up as a woman since my age 20. My journey last time, I always want to play with paper doll, masa-masa, I always steal my mother's pyjamas and towels and make long hair and wear my mom's high heels and everything. When we were kids, we didn't know what is LGBT. Until my age of from three, I started to know there's gay lifestyle. Then I started to say, hey, I think I, I am something different from everybody. So I behave very feminine all the time. I, I slowly go and do altering myself from a man body to become a woman's body. My lifestyle before is every weekend I have party. It's so tiring every weekend. You know why you every day have to find clothes and look before you go out. It takes me two hours to, to three hours for me to dress up to get myself prepared to meet people in the public, even though my neighbor or wherever. I may go out for half an hour, but I have to doll up like two, three hours. I get connected with my old friends, my cell leader right now, she's journeying with me. I, I told her that time that we went fellowship at her house in the afternoon, I told her, I've been to Hinduism temple, I've been to Chinese temple, Siamese temple, whatever temple I go. I in fact go to mosque as well. But only place I've never been is church. Since you are a Christian, I said, bring me to your church. First thing I step into SIBKL Church, I feel like, hey, the presence of like, I'm home. I'm so welcome. Everyone is so friendly. Everyone's so nice. They treat me as who I am. They call me she that time. They did not call me he. As a transgender, a person they really want people to respect is, you call her she. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. That is my first song I want to hear when I go to church. But I don't see any of this song. So from there, I find that, okay, this is a very modern church. But I've never been to any church. But this church, yeah, okay, la, take it. La. Then the message that the pastor James Cavallar said was so opened my eyes. And I didn't know that it's the generation curses from the bloodline and this thing and that. Even though I don't really understand, but I can catch what he's trying to say. He's from this background and everything. Wow, I say, wow, if this God can change this man, 
I don't know what you're going to change if I'm asking anything. But I didn't ask them. There is a healing rally. My cell leader bringing, brought me there. But when they say sinner prayer, in my heart, is my heart beat like, want to drop like, pop, 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 Then after that, I say, hey, some, some voice tell me, hey, go and do sinner prayer. So I run up. Everyone was looking at me where I go. I just ran out and say, Okay, I accept Lord Jesus, you come take your way and come lead me and show me and tell me. I actually didn't tell them that I'm lost. The reason I believe this cell that I have right now is God put it on purpose to journey with me as a ex-LGBT, transgender. In three months' times, I started to feel that I become more masculine. I didn't realize that I was transformed by God until my cell group friends say that, hey, you, you change like more masculine, they could sell. Putting on makeups always is always very important to me to doll up to go out. But when you have Holy Spirit, He will lead you slowly, slowly. I cut my hair from shoulder length to a boy cut, from women's clothes to a t-shirt unisex, and then to a men's clothes, and from bit by bit, God's transforming. Until this year, September, God asked me to remove my implant. devil comes and steal and destroy and kill you, but Jesus comes and give you life abundantly. And I think Jesus is restoring my identity. And God really protected me from all kind of sickness. I said, do you know, I only had no relationship with men. I didn't know relationship with God. Until when I get to know relationship with God is the best relationship that I ever had. Which is from there you can have the love that He pours into you is more than every other things that you want. If you have God's love, you can do everything. To me, ever since I know there's this God crisis, I will cling on it day and night. I'm so into everything. Without God, there's no me. If He can transform me, He can transform everybody. Amen. Come on, let's really give God. Wow. That is the story of Emmanuel walking in the midst of all his identity crisis. So I ask myself, what is God telling us in the midst of so much confusion in the land that is out there? How shall we live? How can we live to show the, help the world restore back the glory of God in a human being? I felt that the first thing is to live compellingly and to live love compassionately. Do you know this cell group is amazing? When they took, went out, when this guy, this girl went out to reach out to Emmanuel and, and continued to be, her, his, his, to be a friend to Emmanuel, she lived in such, the whole cell group never gave up their value systems. They lived compellingly. They held on to God. They would tell him about God. They would tell him of the things of God, the way they behave, why they behave. They never compromised on their lifestyle, but they never judge him. They gave him 
that space to travel that journey from her to a him. Do you know that they began even, it was not easy to love compassionately. Loving compassion is not just to, okay lah, your lifestyle just continue lah. They challenged him. They even said to him, now, Emmanuel himself just before this week, and I talked with Emmanuel, I said, Emmanuel, are you okay for me to share? And he says, yes, and I'll tell you what happened. And he told me this. They would even come to him and says, you know what? You should cut your hair lah, bro. Uh, you should cut the hair and don't call, and bro, they call him bro. Hey, I'm not bro, you know, they said, he said to them. And he was so offended when they told him to cut his hair. So offended. But I'll tell you what is more important than just loving and, and just really just coming together. And, and they did this as a whole cell group. But they interceded for him that he would have a divine encounter. So what happened was that the Holy Spirit was able to speak to him directly and began to lovingly show him. And so, and, and then, then they said to him, hey, your clothes la, change la. And so he began to take t-shirts, you know, from his mother's t-shirts because he didn't have any. And he changed the amazing journey, he said, from wearing S women's size. Today he's wearing L men's size. His whole body had transformed. What God is saying to us is this. Do not worry what is happening in the world. Just you and I never forget who our God is. He's the God of the Bible. Do you know this year, NECF, the theme for the 40 days is a heart to know God. Know the God that is so deeply bruised and upset and absolutely in disgust when the devil has destroyed human identity. And as you do that, begin to look at the, everybody around us and ask God, be need. We need to pray like never before. You know why? Because we don't know how to live in the midst of this community. So even as we end now and we're going to worship, let's all stand, shall we? And let's pray this prayer together. I want you to see this, this one. Peter says, Dear friends, I urge you, how do we live? How do we live in a pagan society? As foreigners and exiles, abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Don't follow the world. Don't follow the world. Wage war against these desires to be cool and like them because it will destroy your soul, your identity, your dignity. But rather live such God lives among them that they will see and arouse them of, of, and they, that, that though they arouse, accuse you, not arouse, accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds. They may see the way you behave. They may see the way you love them. Do you know when, when, when Emmanuel was offended about them telling him to cut hair. Do you know the brother came up to him and says, I know you're offended. I know you're offended, Emmanuel. But we will never give up on you. Do you know they prayed for him how? At 4 a.m., if there were members of those community, they were wanting to commit suicide. They would travel all the way at 4 a.m. just to pray with them, just to stay awake with them so that they won't give up on life. They did such good lives that though they accuse you of doing wrong, on the day God visits them, they will glorify God. I feel the Lord saying to me, many may not have met the glorious God. And that is why you don't even understand this message. You don't even understand why we sing. Our God is glorious. The word glory may not even mean anything to you. Do you know the Lamb upon the throne is shining like the sun in all its fullness? greater than the sun. His voice is like the roaring of many waters. His face is like the lights shining in Him. 
His breastplate is covered in gold. His hair is a it's, it's just like really fire all around him. And you may have never met that glorious God. If you have never met this glorious God, and today you want to meet this glorious God, I'm going to ask you to put up your hand. There is no God like our God. If you have never met this glorious God, put up your hand. Put up your hand so that we can introduce Him to you. So that you will discover your glory, your dignity, your identity. And I also felt the Lord say to us, Today, let God restore the glory of who He is. Don't treat Him like anything. Don't simply come to church. When you simply come to church, anything will do. Just say to yourself, My God is actually not very glorious one. My God is actually like Chichin Chai Chai Saja. If your God is Chin Chin Chai Chai Saja, your identity is also Chin Chin Chai Chai. Today you feel like being woman, be woman, to be man, be woman. That's why everyone is confused. But today, the Church of God, the 8.30 a.m. service is determined. No, their God is a glorious God. Amen. Can I hear an amen? Can I hear an amen? Don't just think about it. Is it an amen? Say amen. And because He's glorious, I too am a glorious human being. If you want that, put your hands up. Put your hands up. If you want God to restore His, the image of Himself back to you, if you want to see God to be more glorious than He could ever be, you know, we always think that we know enough of God. Each day, I come before God. I'm astounded at Him. Come on, put up your hands if you want. God, I need to see more of your glory. Put up your hands. And as you do that, Lord, I want to see more and understand my identity. If you're fighting with identity issues, purpose issues, why you're even alive, what on earth does it mean? Even your children fighting with that. Put up your hands. I believe God is here. I want to take on this verse in 23 verse 14. Our God, Lord Jesus, come on, put up your hands if you want God to move in your house. If you want God to move in our cell groups. If you want God to move in our churches. People don't believe in church, but God does. God says, I am going to restore my glory to my church. When the community of God comes together, they are glorious. Come. Put up your hands strong. Can we see you really high and strong? Because I really want to pray. Almighty God, we declare, O oh Lord God, you are glorious. There's none like you in all the world. In all creation, there's none like you. And I thank you, Lord. We are wanted by you. We are your special treasure, your treasured possession. And you want to move amongst us. You want to protect us. You want to deliver us from the evil schemes of the evil one. You want to restore our identity. You want to restore our dignity. You want to restore our children's identity. You want to restore our children's dignity. Come on, if you want that in your family, put it high. So Father Lord, today I bless every one of my brothers and sisters as you have revealed so much more of your glory to me. Will you reveal your glory to my brothers and sisters? You will begin to help them see because you are glorious. They are glorious. Their friends are glorious. Their neighbours are glorious. Their, the, the security guards are glorious. The poor is glorious. The, even those refugees that they don't know about. Is glorious and so Lord God may the glory of the Lord be in this house that the glory of the latter house 
will truly be greater than the former because the people of God understand and know they are God and they also see themselves as men and women with dignity and yet with responsibility and now Lord God separate us with the love of God our Father the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ who redeemed back our identity and give us the Holy Spirit to fellowship with us to teach us to remind us why we want to follow God's ways to remind us we belong to God to remind us the world needs to find back their identity to teach us how to wrestle against the spirit of the land so Heavenly Father we thank you and now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ the love of God our Father and the fellowship of God of the Holy Spirit be with us until we meet again thank you so much for coming this morning let's if you believe God is glorious give him a huge clap offering and tell each other our God is glorious that is why we have a chance to be glorious